You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code THPN during sign-up. Fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Shoot, Alrighty, welcome ladies and gentlemen to episode 26 of the Rig Rats podcast, the Edmonton Oilers podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm joined by my fantastic co-host Kyle. Kyle, you are on the road to a hockey game. I appreciate you joining me this evening. Friend, welcome. Hey buddy, I'll make time for you any day. Glad to be here. Glad to talk some shop. Well, Kyle, we have a bit of an interesting episode, a little bit different than our usual, um, you know, the, the way we usually do things. We had no Oilers games to talk about. So the first thing I want to touch on before we get to the big part of this episode, which is going to be the trade deadline. Um, we have five days off, and it seems like after coming out of the Colby Cave funeral and just some weird stretches and, you know, some COVID-19 pauses and stuff like that and from what i've seen in the pause this is actually because we were talking about how the last pause they took sort of killed the momentum this one they're actually able to get their breath and this is actually a pause the oilers were needing yeah i would agree i mean you know there's a lot of different stuff going on um namely the the colby cave funeral is you know i mean that that takes a toll on on guys as we as we were talking about you know last last episode it's tough to do something like that and go play a hockey game, but I think it's it's definitely very accepted by the guys to take a, a good break after something like that. And, you know, as you mentioned, the weird stretches there where it was kind of hit or miss, you know, some good games, some bad games. I think everybody's very accepting of this short break. Yeah, for sure. It sounded like everyone they were interviewing <coughs> enjoyed their little bit of break and they are getting ready to gear up to play uh, Vancouver here on Friday. However, we're going to finish the episode talking with our upcoming games. What I do want to spend most of the episode, though, on is the trade deadline. So the trade deadline was on the 12th. However, there were some pretty big deals that happened right before um, the 11th. And the first one I want to get into is a three-way deal right off the bat. 
And you know, we have we've seen this every now and then. Most of the time, it's for cap reasons, and it seems like this is going to be it. But there were three three-way deals over the course of the trade deadline, which is pretty rare. Um, but the first one we have, we've got the Toronto Maple Leafs acquiring Nick Foligno and Stefan Nason. They get Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets. They get Stefan Nason from the San Jose Sharks. And so the way the deal went down, and God bless cat friendly, is that the Toronto Maple Leafs sent Columbus a first round pick and a fourth round pick. Columbus then sent Nick Foligno to San Jose and San Jose got a fourth round pick and San Jose retained $1,375,000 from Nick Foligno. So then Toronto gets Nason and Foligno and they've lost a fourth, a first and a fourth. That is, I mean, we were talking that, you know, there were some rumblings that Toronto might go after Hall and we talked even last episode with them, you know, bringing in Riddick and and some more depth forwards. Um, They are just, they said, we don't care how many people we have on this team. We want to have as many forwards as possible. Um, Yeah. And this, this is just, they're just adding more weapons. And I hate to say it. I see a deal like this and I can't help, but kind of gulp and get a little bit nervous because they are like the Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs are essentially pushing their chips into the middle of the table here. They're going all in. Oh yeah. I mean, they had a few, a few additions uh, and, and, you know, we were talking about them kind of beefing up before their, uh, their potential run that they're expecting to go on here. Then they go and make a move like this. And that's a, that's a big piece to pull there. Not only a guy that's been in the league for a while, but um, you know, he's a very established member of the league. He was the captain of uh, the Blue Jackets, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's, that's a big piece to pull there. Real veteran guy, always shows up. He's not afraid to scrap. He's not afraid to get in the corners. He's not afraid to dangle your socks off. So that's dangerous, man. I mean, put him with some of those other skill guys on, on Toronto, and I mean – if you if you sat back and took a look at their roster right now, you, you, I mean, it, it is a little scary. There's no there's no there's no getting around it. There's just a lot of offensive firepower. So Leafs made one more move directly after this, but I think while you're 100 correct, Nick Foligno is an incredible hockey player. I think what the Leafs did is they saw that he can complement that they're already elite talent forwards. But I think more what they were looking for is. Yeah, they probably could have maybe gone out and got Taylor Hall, but the minute that the Leafs start getting behind in some playoff games and they start to fold and, you know, they start to implode like we've seen them do in recent years, Taylor Hall's not going to be the guy in the locker room to turn that around. He's going to implode with them because we've seen him do that. He's been on bad teams. That's just how it's going to go. Nick Foligno, as we said, he's a captain, right? Like, they start to implode or something like that. We saw him even do it to them. They got a front row seat to Nick Foligno in the play-in series uh, yep. last year. And so I think they, they saw that. They think that he can complement their forwards and he's going to be along with Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons. Like they're secretly building like a, a weird legion of leadership. Yeah, legion, exactly, behind the scenes um, to yeah. bolster it. So when they do start to potentially falter in the playoffs, they have the leadership to pull themselves up that they might not have had in the, in recent years. And yeah. I, again, I hate to say it, but it's, it's a good idea. It's, it's uh, quite smart. All those guys you mentioned, 
very well-respected guys in the league. I mean, everybody, everybody understands, you know, when you walk in the locker room with those guys, you know, not necessarily that you're answering to them, but it's a little bit that you're kind of answering to those guys. It's, you know, th- those are the guys in the locker room. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how well everybody meshes together and, you know, see if uh, we can't watch Toronto choke again in the playoffs like they're so known to do. And then they make one more deal before the day is done. They've had a little bit of goaltending fluctuation, and I think that they are pretty tired of having to play uh, Michael Hutchinson every couple games because Freddie Anderson's kind of hurt and faltering, and Jack Campbell uh, has been injured and but been really hot. So, uh, But they make a move, and they acquire Big Save Dave from Calgary. So no longer will the Oilers have to face him on the Flames. I like to think that the Oilers sort of uh, made him retire from the Flames. He did that bat flip, and since then he's been awful for them. But no matter, they get him for a third round pick, just adding to their depth, like we said. And then there were a couple small moves right before the end of the day. We've got Boston getting Mike Riley from Ottawa for a third, and the Islanders getting former Tampa Bay Lightning player and uh, I guess more recent Ottawa Senator Braden Coburn for a seventh round pick. So a couple small moves and Toronto makes the biggest move the day before. And we head to the day deadline day. Um, any, any things to say on those last couple moves, Kyle? Coburn's not, you know, the best guy on the ice at any given moment, but he's still, you know, tried and true defenseman. He, you know, he plays, he plays second, third pair D very well. Um, so it's not surprising to see the Islanders pick up a couple guys, you know, pick them up there. Those are your typical uh, depth moves for the deadline there. Yeah. And so then we head to deadline day and we start the day off with another bang. We've got the LA Kings sending longtime King and Stanley Cup champion with the Kings, Jeff Carter, to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a conditional third and a conditional fourth. <laughs> Now, the conditions are the third gets upgraded to a second if the Penguins reach the Stanley Cup finals this year and Carter plays in at least 50% of the games. And then the fourth gets upgraded to a third if Carter plays in at least 50 games during next season. I always love listening to these conditions on some of these conditional picks. Like, it sounds like you're sitting there with a bunch of five-year-olds that are just making up a story all at once. They're like, well, but what if... You got to do this, 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 and this first, and then you can have that. How about it? How about it? It's it, they're always so laughable to me. Some of the, some of these like conditions. Some of the conditions make sense, but some of them are just like outlandish, you know. But I always I find it enjoyable to look at the conditions of some of these picks. And it seems like the Pittsburgh Penguins are just refusing to say they're ever going to rebuild. And it looks like they're you know, potentially gearing up to try and make a push in the playoffs again with this. I guess. I mean, do they have skill still? Yes. Sure. You still have Crosby. You're, I mean, he's still very good. Malkin's still good. It's just, uh, I don't know. Accept it, you know? I don't know. There's a, a point where you just kind of accept your fate there and kind of fade out your older generation and pick up some new guys, but I guess they're trying to make one last go of it before some of these guys are all too old to be the face of the franchise anymore. You know, it sounds like, you know, they expect Malkin to come back and it sounds like the management still believe if you have Crosby and Malkin, <laughs> you have to make a go for it. So I guess they, they're, they're still trying. However, that gets us to 
potentially the biggest talking point of the trade deadline day. And this was a pretty active deadline day, considering, you know, the funky times we're in and some of the weird travel schedules. Some of the American teams have been benefited. They've already got to see, you know, we've already got to see some of the players play on their new teams because they've been able to go right there. Canadian teams are going to have to wait a little bit. Uh, However, the Boston Bruins, just as I predicted, get Taylor Hall. However, I did not see them also acquiring Curtis Lazar in exchange for Anders Bjork and a second. Now, we see, as we just talked about, a huge deal for Nick Foligno where Toronto gives up a first and a fourth for him, as well as a fourth to San Jose. And you basically are swapping bottom six forwards buffalo is also retaining 50 percent of taylor hall's cap hit he only he's a ufa at the end of the year but still and then they only get a second round pick i thought for sure you get a taylor you get taylor hall for a first and to see boston get it for him that low is pretty impressive um i want to laugh at the sabers however at the same time it also sounds like taylor hall sort of strong-armed his way he had a no movement clause on a one-year deal which gives me a head scratch right off the bat. Um, So he was able to strong harm his way into Boston. And somehow we have seen the Boston Bruins go through Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan. Interesting. Um, I wonder if we ever see Tyler or or Tyler Sagan make his way up North. Yeah, maybe. I mean, a little rebound tour. That'd be interesting. However, Boston Bruins get Taylor Hall. So let's start there. As much as I hate it, He's going to be a really good fit there. I think he'll fit extremely well with that group of guys. I think it's smart for Boston to pick him up, especially at the deal that they were given from Boston or from Buffalo. I mean, you only got to pay half of what he's half of what he's owed, you know. And you get Curtis Lazar too for uh, what Bjork and, and a second is. That seems like overwhelmingly Boston wins that trade by a mile. Um, yeah, if you if you want to if you want to think about it, right? Lazar and Bjork one for one. And then you've right. got Taylor Hall, for, Taylor Hall for a second round, pick. second round pick. That is right. Remember when we gave Hall for Larson one for one? It, it's easy to dunk on the Sabres and everyone is right now. Um, but I really think Taylor Hall, like he probably could have gone somewhere else. And it sounded like there was maybe a potential deal of him going out West, but he wanted to go to Boston and um, yeah. he had, he had the power and that's where he went. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, and I've heard him say it even. Uh, he's looking to stay in Boston for a few years, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised to see if they, you know, figure out a deal and they sign him for a couple of years, you know, after the season's over. Um, I think that makes Boston more dangerous than they already are. Again, much like the Leafs right now is kind of scary. The amount of firepower that's offensively that they have is is wild. But, I mean – Hey, when the GMs get to talking and they can figure out a deal and they work something out, good on them, I guess, you know? And now we just see Boston really just, just thinking how far can their goaltending get them? And they've got, you know, potential, you know, and another cup run in them, which just drives me nuts, but. Absolutely hate it. <laughs> but we get to now some Oilers news. The Edmonton Oilers acquire defenseman Dmitry Kulikov from the New Jersey Devils for a conditional fourth round pick. Now, the conditions on the fourth round pick is it will be upgraded to a third round pick if the Edmonton Oilers win a single playoff round this season. He is a UFA at the end of this year. He's got a cap hit of 
1.15 million. Um, he has two assists this year with New Jersey, and we have to wait a little bit. He probably won't be here until next week. We'll probably talk about his first games potentially on the next Wednesday or Thursday episode. But we see Dmitry Kulikov coming to the Edmonton Oilers, um, adding a little bit more defense. He's got almost 500 NHL games experience. What do you think, Kyle? We've been talking about the defense all year. And honestly, I think mainly we're, we're really just talking about Tyson Berry and um, Darnell Nurse is like most of what we've been talking about. And obviously, we, you know, we talk about the young guys too, Bear and Jones. And, uh, you know, like, we talk about all of them, but. I think adding an extra guy like that to play, you know, on a second or third pair, I think that I think that gives you some much needed uh, help. You know, we've been talking about, you know, we got to switch around the D, got to get guys that move the puck, got to get guys that pay attention, know how to play the game. Kulikov seems to be, uh, you know, fairly well proven. As you mentioned, a little over 500 games. That's, that's a lot of time in the NHL. I mean, that's and, nothing to scoff at. And so I have a scouting report from our good friend, Chris, uh, a good, our insider on the Winnipeg Jets. As we know, Kulikov played a couple seasons with them. Um, he was texting me after the Oilers acquired him. He, he, he seemed pretty pleased that the Oilers acquired him. He, he said it, it was a pretty good deal. We're not giving up too much for him. I mean, it's one pick that up, it gets upgraded to a third if we went around. So if we went around, you know what, I'll take it. But he said that Kulikov obviously is a, really strong defenseman. He also said that he was one of the better players for New Jersey this season, one of the more consistent players. He's having a pretty good season. Point totals aside, he's a defensive defenseman, so you're going to be getting defense. And then he said that once a month, we will get an end-to-end rush that will leave us scratching our heads on where that even came from. Um, So I'm excited to potentially see him play. I think it, you know, gets Chris Russell out of the lineup even more, which we all know if you've been listening to this podcast at all, know I have been a big advocate for. Um, So we've got Kulikov coming to Edmonton and we will see him probably in about 10 days, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think even even though he's a, a, you know, a true defensive defenseman, still a Russian guy. And those guys have like sneaky hands always. They're scary good. They're all in the Russian gas. You cannot convince me otherwise. I don't care. So then we get to... Our second three-way trade of the deal, the Vegas Golden Knights get Matthias Yanmark, a prospect and a fifth-round pick from San Jose and Chicago in exchange for a second and third to San Jose and a fifth round to Chicago. No conditions on it. The San Jose Sharks retain uh, 1.12, so 50% of Yanmark's contract after it comes through Chicago. Not really sure what Vegas is doing here. They're pretty cap-strapped already. They're picking up a prospect, and then they're throwing around some picks. I mean, I think Vegas has got a strong team already. So, again, we, we're just we're seeing the really good teams that think they they can make a deep run just continually adding forwards. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of something you see almost every year. Though is you know when your when your better teams think they got a shot, they start throwing crazy stuff around. You know whether it dangers their uh, long term you know deals or not, they're willing to throw some money and some picks around to try to give it confidence. I mean, can you really blame them? That's what everybody's after. 
That, that is the prize at the end of the road. Um, we've got another big one here. The Detroit Red Wings and Steve Eiserman are playing GM mode right now with the trade set to easy. Um, they trade Anthony Mantha to the Washington Capitals. Um, I don't know why I said it like a Boston guy. The Washington Capitals. Washington Capitals. Uh, so <laughs> he goes to the Washington Capitals. We remember Mantha just signed a five-year, five-point seven million dollar deal and the Detroit Red Wings get Richard Ponick, Jacob Vrana, a first and a second. And we were just talking about the tiny hall, pun intended, for Taylor Hall that Buffalo got. That is an incredible haul for Anthony Mantha for the Detroit Red yeah. Wings. I've said it before. I'll say it anytime anybody asks me, I think Steve Eiserman is arguably the best GM ever. Uh, the guy makes moves that are just insane i don't know where in his head he thinks of them i don't know where he like like if he just wakes up in the middle of the night and like a cold sweat like i need to make this move and i'm gonna make it happen but it always works he did it when he was with the lightning i mean he made just unreal trades he, he traded Corey conacher for ben bishop who was the franchise's best goalie for years the guy makes trades that are insane and this is just another one to add to the list Anthony Mantha's no slouch, but I don't know that you get that kind of return for him if you're anybody other than Steve Eisenman. I think one of the big pieces, obviously, because there were uh, it's such a big price tag for Mantha, <laughs> he's signed. He's signed long-term. The Washington Capitals yeah. know they're getting a young, um, up-and-coming, power-forward, goal-scoring threat for the next five years at a set price. It's a bit of a high price, but you know, if they're thinking maybe potential changing of the guard in the next couple of years, Anthony Mantha could potentially be that piece that starts to become the new guard for the Washington Capitals. It's an exciting move. It's one I did not see coming at all, but it's it's just one of those those moves that, as a hockey fan, because I don't really have any stakes in that game other than um, what jersey and what players uh, I'm going to play on NHL now. Uh, it's just an exciting move. It, it's a fun move to see at the deadline. It makes the NHL a little bit more exciting, and we need more moves like that. Yeah, I, I love watching deadline deadline news. I mean, you know, if it's a team I like that makes a move, you know, I might be a little more invested as to whether or not I like it, but. Other than that, I just like watching to see where guys go, who gets what for who, you know. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I was on the twelfth, I was sitting there, I was talking to uh I was talking to my lady and I was like, Oh, it's deadline day, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be great. There's so much going on. I get very I get very excited about deadline day. That was probably the biggest move of deadline day. Coming out of the North Division, Sam Bennett leaving the Calgary Flames. He leaving the Calgary Flames for a sixth round pick from the Florida to the Florida Panthers for a prospect and a second. So the Edmonton Oilers will no longer being Sam Bennett, though he didn't really trouble us too much. The Washington Capitals get Michael Raffle from Philly for a fifth round pick, just adding a little bit more forward depth. Then the Toronto Maple Leafs get Ben Hutton from Anaheim for a fifth. And Winnipeg gets Jordy Ben from Vancouver for a sixth round pick. I think uh, coming from, I just want to talk about the Jordy Ben trade real quick. Uh, mm -hmm. Coming from our insider, Chris, he was not too happy about this one. He does not understand what Jordy Ben brings to his hockey team, what he brought to the Vancouver Canucks hockey team. He's been clowning on the Vancouver Canucks for having Van for having Jordy Ben. And now uh, 
the Winnipeg Jets have acquired Jordy Ben. So he's a little bit confused. I think we all, um, or at least what I was reading and was sort of expecting was them to get a defenseman, um, maybe just a little bit of higher quality defenseman, I guess, to say. Um, any comments on any of the smaller moves or the Sam Bennett move? Um, I'm going to miss seeing that mustache. Tell you what, guy's got an impeccable mustache, even though he's not that great at hockey. Jordy Ben, it is an interesting move. He has his pros and his cons. Like the pros are he's a big guy and they'll hit really hard. And I think his cons are the rest of it. It's tough to wrap your head around that one, but hey, to each their own. And so I really just touched on some of maybe the bigger name deals. There were some obviously smaller deals. And if anyone wants to yell at me for it, you can do it in the comments or the reviews or on Twitter at the rig underscore rat. You can do that there. Kyle, we've got some big clear winners. We got some big clear losers. Who stands out on deadline day to you? Uh, Detroit has an unreal win as, as a team that's on a hard rebuild right there, you know, getting picks and getting two pretty good guys. And Jacob yeah. Rana is is an exciting forward himself. Oh yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, Ponick's uh, been around the league a little while, but you know, he's still, a, he's still a pretty decent player. I think the picks are really what you are really, you know, the Holy grail there for, uh, for Detroit is there, you know, on their way through their rebuild. Again, I understand, as you mentioned, why uh, the Capitals do it. You know, they have a good forward locked in for a long time, but that's a lot. So that's a, I think it's a big win there. I think Boston wins the Hall trade. Oh, did we mention? I, did, I think you uh, I think you skipped. Or no, I guess we talked about it. We, we talked about that one already. The two, the two goofs to the Islanders, um, Palmieri and – we talked about yeah, that we, last we, we, we talked about that a couple episodes. We talked ago. about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, other than that, I I Detroit and Boston are, are, are the big winners out, out here today. That's yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I think Detroit, it'll be a little bit harder to say. I don't know. I'd like to see maybe what they do with the picks potentially before I, I, I really get on them. Um, but I think you're right. Boston skating away with Taylor Hall with, with that price is is pretty impressive. And then to be honest, it's going to hurt me again, but I think Toronto jumping around and just yeah, pulling yeah. it forwards. It, it's smart. It, it just, it smells smart to me. <laughs> However, we are going to take a quick break. When we get, when we get back, we're going to discuss uh, how we think the Edmonton Oilers did on deadline day, the upcoming hockey games are actually going to get to play and we're going to get to watch. And then we will call it a wrap for this deadline day episode. So we will be right back. Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, Jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. All righty, and we are back. So we were talking about the NHL deadline. We talked about winners and losers, and I've been watching, obviously, everyone's been placing grading and winners and losers from the deadline day on through all different media sites. 
a lot of people have put Edmonton pretty low on the list. Some people were giving him a pass saying, you know, Holland tried to load up last year and it blew up in his face. So he's trying to be a little cautious. Other people saying, you know what? You've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They're, they might put up 100 points in 56 games. You should load up every year, as we say maybe Pittsburgh doing every year with Crosby and Malkin. What do you think about the Oilers? They only bring Kulikov. That's it. Relatively quiet. They're going in with the forwards they have. How are we feeling? Because um, some people were down on it, and some people were like, you know what? It was a smart play. It's not really the biggest play that has been made but i think it is honestly low risk i think it's a low risk take you know for for a a fourth that could potentially turn into a third with because they didn't really give up a ton i think what they get back for it is very good i mean i mean the trade that they made i think is a, a good deal i don't know that they really that there was really a ton else out on the board that would have made a lot of sense to go after but i think it's okay i don't think it's a you know an outrageous an outrageous win or an outrageous loss. I think it's a, I think it was a good move and there wasn't really much else that needed to be done. So a lot of people that are down on the fact that Oilers didn't, <coughs> that they didn't bring in any more forwards. They didn't really address maybe the fact that you need another top six forward, or maybe we need more forwards, more quality, like attacking forwards outside of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. And so a lot of people were pointing at that. Do you, Feel confident uh, in our forward group. McDavid and Dreisaitl, I have no doubt, are going to be exceptional. But I'm talking about our forward group as a whole. Are you confident in our forward group going forward? Right now, I mean, obviously right now you can't do anything to trade deadlines over. I think I think there's probably some moves that should be looked at in the offseason. I think that if you can get one of those, uh, you know, quality forwards that we were kind of talking about, like, you know, just, just to beef up the offense a little bit, I think that's a, a, a good move that needs to be made. But... I think I think they can do all right, you know, especially the, the top two lines. When they start kicking, they they go really. I mean, they 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 play together really well. They produce exponentially. I think, as we've been mentioning, we just need to see some bottom six support. But if there was a a good move to be made, I think it probably should, they probably should have done it. But I don't know that there was necessarily any uh, good moves to be made there. You know, I mean, I, I think there, anything that we could have acquired would have taken too much to get rid of yeah i i I can appreciate the playing it safe and maybe looking for a better option in the offseason for sure i think you know mcdavid and dry sidle mcdavid and dry sidle so i just hope the rest of the team's along for the ride but we are now locked in though deadline day has passed as you said this is it we've got dmitry kulikov on the way and everything else that we have is going to be in-house if we're going to be winning this thing we are winning this thing with who we have left and we have two games coming up to talk about um the first one as of right now the Edmonton Oilers will be playing the Vancouver Canucks on Friday everything has been said that we will be playing that game until otherwise said the Oilers are going to be playing on Friday it's going to be the first half of a back-to-back the Oilers have, haven't played Vancouver as much, only five times this season. We're three and two versus them on the season series. The Vancouver Canucks are 16, 18, and three on the season. How are you feeling coming out of this break after the trade deadline? First game back versus Vancouver. I think I think both teams are going to be extremely well read. You know, Vancouver having that real big break. I think the breaks are different, though. I think. Uh, Edmonton appreciated the break. I think Vancouver's break stressed everybody out. They're all sick. You know, they're all worried about, well, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? What's going on? So I think, I think their break is, you know, extremely worrisome. And, and as much as 
I think everybody's very excited to see them back playing hockey and finishing a full season, barring any extenuating circumstances. I think the Oilers come in and whip up on them pretty good. I'm going to say 5-1 win just because Oilers have, you know, a good, well-rested to regroup. I think the Vancouver Canucks rest period is an absolute nightmare in their locker room with everybody getting super stressed. Personal opinion, done. Locked in. Answer. And you got to think, uh, Vancouver Canucks, while they are going to be playing, they're still probably going to be missing the services of Pedersen. Could potentially be missing. I don't know who all has been cleared to play again. So we could be playing a potential hodgepodge of players, like you said, um, sort of a mismatch of you know, chaos and stress. And I think you're, I, I hope you're right. I think you're right. I think after also a pretty bad performance in a funk on the night after Colby cave, I think they're going to come out with something to prove. Um, to be honest, I'm going to join you. I think you might be spot on with this five one win, buddy. Perfect. I love the company. Uh, so then we follow that up. Like I mentioned, this was the first half of a back-to-back. We've got the second half of the back-to-back versus the Winnipeg Jets. We are 4-2 and two on the season series with them. The Jets, however, are directly above us in second with a record of 25-14-3. So they have one less loss and they have one more overtime loss than us. So they just flipped those. Um, And like I said, we're chasing them for second. This is, again, another big proven it game. However, these have been tight, tight games. And Kyle, hit me again. 5-3, baby. Ooh, big prediction. See if it hits. I don't think it's hit once. Uh, I, I don't think it is either. And if we're looking well, at if, if I were to be playing least. statistics, betting on I'm betting on the Oilers to score 10 goals and, and they're returning two games. <laughs> not not a great, you know, statistic. I wasn't I wasn't great at math in school, but I'm pretty sure that's that's not good odds. What do you think, Kyle? I think uh, it's a bold prediction, bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it pays off for you. I also think they take the win here against uh, against Winnipeg. But I'm going to give it a more modest uh, 3-2 win regulation. No, no, uh, no extra time needed. I think somebody's going to embarrass Jordy Ben. Really do. Uh, will Jordy just... Ben be with them yet? Because he's, I know it's Canada to Canada, but I think he still might have to quarantine. Do you think? Because it's just coming from. But he is coming from Vancouver too. I guess he is coming from Vancouver. So like they might be extra cautious. So my question is, yes, maybe. However, also, they will already have played, well, I guess Edmonton will have already played Vancouver at that point. So I don't know how I don't know how that works, but if Jordy Ben's in the lineup, he gets embarrassed. Alrighty, heard that, buddy. I think see now that is a betting man's answer because if you looked at the season statistics on the season games versus Winnipeg, they've almost all been tight or one goal game. So that's probably more likely to hit. And if it does, we will ask you about it. However, we're going to be doing that on the next episode because we're going to wrap this one up, buddy. Thanks for joining us for this trade deadline wrap-up episode. Uh, a little bit different, like I said. Um, if you think we missed anything, like I mentioned, or just want to chat on Twitter, and I should mention, because of DraftKings, the sponsor of these episodes, you guys hear about them at the beginning of the episode, we are doing a NHL Edmonton Oilers giveaway um, details for that are going to be up on the Hockey Podcast Network's Twitter and on our Twitter. Um, our Twitter is going to be at the rig underscore rats. Go ahead and look at it there. It's going to be the pinned tweet on it on Twitter to enter. Get your chance to win a Edmonton Oilers jersey. 
which is awesome. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave a you know review uh, on wherever you're listening to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. It helps out a great deal. Kyle, been a pleasure talking to you. Good luck with your hockey game, my friend. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, and appreciate as everybody always, taking time out of her. Sorry. And as always, yeah. folks, let's go Oilers. <laughs>